In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, uh, we are going to read here, but I want to, before I uh, read this verse, just give you a few points that we have been making along uh, this time of teaching on the subject of love. And our first point that we have made, and certainly have given you scriptures regarding that, so I'll not uh, reiterate those scriptures specifically, but just these points. Number one. Love is a New Testament commandment. Love is a New Testament commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another. All right, uh, the second one is love is to be the motivating force of what we do for God and toward people. We used uh, Romans 13, uh, love works no ill to its neighbor. Then number three, God's love nature resides in us as believers. God's love nature resides in us as believers. Number four, we're in union with God who is love. We're in union with God who is love. So understanding this is the, uh, the foundation or the background uh, from which we launch today. Understanding that it is a commandment to love, understanding that we have this love in us and it's our nature to love, understanding that we are in union with God, uh, that we are in union with Christ, and uh, as a result, we can then bear fruit. So today we want to look at this particular uh, verse in chapter 15 of John. We'll go to verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot, the branch cannot bear fruit, except it abide in the vine. So he says, no more can you except you abide in me. So without our abiding in Christ or without us being joined to Christ, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So this particular illustration or example that Jesus uses is an example of our union with Christ. So he's talking about us abiding in Jesus just like a branch abides in the vine. And if a branch is connected to the vine, then that branch has the ability to, uh, to produce fruit because it is drawing on the source of life that is in the vine. Jesus being our source of life, God being our source of life, he is a source of our life. In him was life, and the life was the what? Light of men. So then, in Jesus is life, was life, is life, and when we get in him, we have that life. So in union with Christ, we have this uh, commodity, if you will, called life or uh, eternal life or everlasting life. In Scripture, it is called. So eternal life, everlasting life, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life or eternal life. So when you get born again, you have eternal life. Eternal life would be the nature of God, as we have already somewhat described in Second Peter 
uh, chapter 1, verse 4. We've been made partakers of the divine nature. So when you get born again, when you receive Jesus, you are a partaker of God's nature or you are a partaker of God's life. And being a partaker of God's life, then you're also a partaker of God's love. That is what happened on the inside in your spirit when you were born again, when you got joined to Jesus. Remember, God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. That's in 1 John chapter 4. And that is one of the scriptures that we use in, in relation to a union with God, that you are in union with God. He that dwells in uh, God or dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So, when it comes to dwelling in God or dwelling in love, then you are in union with God, so therefore you are in union with love. So, as a believer, the love of God is in you. The love of God is in your heart. You're in union with love. In this verse, it says... Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. No more can you unless you abide in me. So without being abiding or living in or dwelling in Christ, then we're not going to bear the fruit of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit, which is uh, spoken of in Galatians chapter 5. So, bearing the fruit of the Spirit is going to be the result of abiding in Jesus or dwelling in Jesus or living in Jesus. Well, when you're abiding in Jesus, first of all, you've been born again, and again, you have received eternal life, and you have been uh, placed in Christ. Well, so you have this life in you, but you want to live out of that source, or you want to live out of that resource. You want to live your life out of Christ. All right, so he says that you can abide in him, and you can bear fruit. Let's go to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. The same brings forth much fruit. The person uh, who abides in Jesus. Again, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The branches are born on, or the fruit is born on the branches. Is it not? So, uh, so if the branch is connected to the vine, then it's going to produce the fruit that, is, uh, that it is designed to produce. However, as you know, that there's a lot of different variations of fruit. There's a lot of different variations of fruitfulness. First, you're not going to bear any fruit if uh, you're not connected to the vine or drawing on the life of the vine. And if you're not drawing on the life of the vine, eventually that branch is going to die. It's not going to produce anything of any uh, fruitfulness or productivity. All right, so eventually it's going to die. But any, any fruit tree can vary from another fruit tree, or a fruit will vary from tree to tree, or it will vary from one environment to another environment. Why? Because uh, it is affected by its environment. It is affected by the soil. It's affected by the watering process and so forth. And so uh, the branch is only going to bear the kind of fruit you want to bear 
If it is drawing on the life that is in the vine, if it is planted securely in Christ and you're drawing on the source of life, then you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Praise God. Well, then, uh, you know, I've... uh, I like fruit personally. A lot of people, they're not, uh, they don't, a lot of people don't like fruit that well, but uh, I like fruit. I enjoy fruit. Uh, but uh, I understand that many times you can get a piece of fruit that doesn't have much flavor at all, and then you can get another piece of fruit that has a lot of flavor and it's delicious. Right? Well, why is it either it was picked prematurely or perhaps the fruit tree itself was not producing like it should produce, it was not taken care of like it should be taken care of, and so there are different variations of fruit. Well, if you consider in the Scripture in Mark chapter 4, it talks about that the sower sows the Word, right? He sows the Word. And it talks about the different types of soil that the Word of God was sown in. And it talks about how that some of those souls did not even produce at all, right? No fruit at all. Then it says some produced some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. So there was different levels of productivity, So it had a lot to do with the soil, and really in that uh, particular uh, passage, the soil is your heart. The Word of God comes into your heart, and you're, you're going to determine your receiving and how you receive the Word, how you hear the Word, or how you don't hear the Word. Because uh, the Scripture says, take heed what you hear, and the Scripture says, take heed how you hear. Because you could hear the same Word and get a different perspective. Right? So, uh, as a Christian, we have to take heed what we hear and we have to take heed how we hear in order for us to be able to produce the kind of fruit that we are designed to produce. All right, so in this uh, particular verse, again, uh, Jesus is saying that if you're abiding in Him, you're dwelling in Him, you are uh, in union with Him, and you're drawing on this life that is in Him, then you're going to produce the kind of fruit that He created you to produce. All right, I'm going to read it to you in a, a couple other translations. The Phillips translation says it this way, You must go on growing in me, and I will grow in you. You must go on growing in me, and I will grow in you. There is a spiritual connection. We're so in union with God or union with Christ that we grow in him. What does Ephesians say? Ephesians 4 says, grow up into him in what? All things. Who is the head? Even Christ. Grow up into Christ who is the head in all things or in all areas of your life. So in this Uh, verse again in Philip's translation, you must keep on growing in me and I will grow in you. For just as the branch cannot bear any fruit unless it shares the life of the vine, so you can produce nothing unless you go on growing in me. Unless he shares the life of the vine. So again, a branch is going to share All right, for example, you can have the same vine. You can have a bunch of different branches on that vine. One branch may not share as much sap or life as another branch. One branch could be more productive than another branch. I had some fruit trees. You know that I had some fruit trees if you've been around very long because I've used it as an example. had some fruit trees, which I've taken out now uh, to make space for 
uh, our horses. Uh, we got rid of the fruit trees. But in, my fruit trees actually got boars in them. And so these boars would go up into the trunk of the tree and just bore, and you would see sap coming out of the side of those, uh, those trunks. And then also in the branches, you'd see sap. And so boars were really destroying the trees. Now, it still produced fruit, but eventually certain branches no longer produced fruit because of those boars. So then... Sometimes there are things that try to come from the outside and get in your soul or in your life that really are hindering your productivity. What is it doing? It's sucking the life. That's what those boars are doing. They're just sucking the life out of that tree. They're robbing that tree and the branches of the nourishment that was intended for that trunk and also the branches to enjoy and so, therefore, you've got fruitfulness. So, sometimes the devil will try to work on your soul, and he'll hinder the fruitfulness in your life. So, it had to do with your environment. It may get in your soul, or it may be just influences around your life, things, words that people are saying, things that people are uh, saying to you, or, or uh, just your experience of your relationships, we could say. So things that uh, are spoken to you or things that you listen to and things that you take into your soul can hinder your productivity or hinder your fruitfulness as a Christian. Well, what is it doing? It's shutting off the sap or it's shutting off the life that is in the trunk of that tree or in Christ Jesus. So what the devil is always trying to do, that's his, it's no new trick. It's been around for as long as man. Uh, the devil is always, and he started with Adam and Eve, he started saying things to them that they bought into, and as a result, they, they uh, were not only not going to produce fruit, but they were actually going to die spiritually, so they couldn't be fruitful. So uh, it's not a new trick. He's been doing it. He uses people. He uses different avenues. To, he uses sometimes in our day social media. He may use television. He may use uh, a phone call or a text or he may use a family member or he may use your husband or your wife. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to accuse your husband or your wife, he could, but he could use a lot of different avenues. He could use people. He could use circumstances. But he does things to try to uh, undermine your faith in Jesus and cut off that flow of the life of God out of your spirit because that's where the life comes from. That's where you're in union with Christ. You're in union with Jesus, and the life of God is on the inside of you, and the love of God's on the inside of you, and the nature of God's on the inside of you. So if you stay in contact with your spirit, so the whole, whole New Testament uh, goal is to get you in the spirit and to get you to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, and live out of that resource that God has placed in your heart or placed in your spirit. So as a believer, as a believer, then you have to draw on the life that is in you and refuse to let things get in your soul that hinder the flow of the life of God that is in your spirit. And basically, what you're doing sometimes is you're just choking the life out of your spirit, so to speak, and you're just stopping that flow. 
Because the flow of God's love has to flow through your soul. God created you that way. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So if you've got a lot of uh, stuff clogging up your soul and clogging up your mind and your attitude, then what happens is that the flow of God's love and life cannot flow out of you freely because you're stopping it. Or those hindrances have clogged up your soul, or those bores, if you will, have bored into your soul and sucked the life out of your soul. And uh, the scripture says, he holds my soul in life. So God doesn't want your soul affected by the world's mind. He wants your soul affected by his mind. And the way your soul is affected by his mind is that you get into his word until you get saturated with the life of God and the word of God, and you get filled with the life of God, and when you get filled with the life of God, what's on the inside comes through your soul and comes through the outside, and you begin to bear fruit, and it comes out in your attitude, it comes out in your words, it comes out in your expression, your facial expression, it comes out uh, in in, uh, your action, it comes out toward people around you so that they can actually taste and see. That the Lord is good. Amen. So remember, we looked at scriptures. They're going to know that we're his disciples. Why? By our love one to another. So if we're showing love one to another, just that we show love to each other, it's going to be a testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, if we're showing love to them, it's going to be a testimony of Jesus. I'm talking about the world now. If you're showing love to the world and people in the world, then uh, it's going to be a testimony of the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God and Christ in you, which is an expression of God in the earth. Praise God. So, back to this verse. You're sharing in His life. So you don't want to cut off that flow to any branch or any area of your life. All right, let's go to another translation. Weiss translation says it this way. Maintain a living communion with me and I with you. Maintain. Well, maintain a living communion. If you live in a house, you know, during this season of, uh, of my life, Uh, because of breaking uh, my arm, it had some impact on my maintenance program. Because every house needs maintenance. The older it gets, the more maintenance it needs, right? So in other words, there are things that I was not able to do because of a broken part. My hand, my wrist, and so forth. So I was not able to do certain things that I would generally do just to take care of basic maintenance in a house. Well, if you don't take care of maintenance, eventually your house will be all run down. You can, and sometimes some people, they just don't uh, take care of or value their own house. and They don't take care of the house. They don't take care of the, the grounds. They don't take care of their in, in, indoor. Uh, and so as a result, the place gets run down. Well, you got to maintain the house. It doesn't maintain itself. You have to maintain it. So the person that lives in the house has to maintain Or at least get somebody to maintain, right? But that person is the responsible party in order for that house to be maintained. In order for your body, your house to be maintained. And uh, you have to maintain a fellowship with God. 
He said, if you maintain a living communion with me and I with you. In other words, you have to maintain your fellowship with God, your communion with God. Uh, Scripture refers to communion with the Holy Spirit. Your communion is a fellowship with God, and your communion with God is consistent. So just because I, I hurt myself or I got hurt doesn't mean that I can just let the maintenance go. I have to figure out a way to get it done, right? Because uh, in our lives, sometimes we may get hurt, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, continue your maintaining your fellowship with God so that you can get healed. So I had to get healed in order uh, to get healed. I want to maintain my fellowship with God, and I want to maintain my house. I want to maintain my life. Well, in your spiritual life, you have to maintain your fellowship with God. It is not automatic. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how long you've been saved. doesn't matter how many uh, scriptures you have known. doesn't matter uh, the, the amount of people that you may have influenced for good and for God. doesn't matter what your past experience with God has been. Listen, I've seen uh, some good people seem like they had a lot going for them. Get out of fellowship with God. People, preachers included. They get off track, get off course, and, and they get away from God. So I'm just saying it doesn't matter who you are, that you have to maintain your fellowship with God. And if you get a little off course and you're not maintaining that fellowship with God, you have to get back to the basics. I mean, get back to the simplest things like reading your Bible, meditating on the Word, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying much in the Holy Spirit, keeping your spirit built up. Otherwise, other stuff is going to get in your soul. Stuff that is uh, hurtful, things that are destructive to your soul, things that are hindrances to your spiritual growth and your spiritual development. And so, therefore, they're going to be hindering your fruitfulness. Are you with me? All right, so he says, maintain a living communion with me and I with you, just as a branch is unable to be bearing fruit from itself as a source. The branch is unable to bear fruit from itself as a source. So if the branch is unable to be bearing fruit from itself as a source, it has to maintain communion with God or communion with the Father or communion with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with Jesus in order to be bearing fruit. Because you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it without maintaining fellowship with God. You can't do it without staying connected to Jesus. And I mean connected to Jesus every day. Because every time you just uh, start letting things go, then you get further and further away from the truth and from light and from the goodness of God and the love of God. It doesn't matter, again, how long you've been saved. doesn't matter how many times you prayed in the Holy Spirit. doesn't matter how many scriptures you know. If you don't stay in fellowship with God today and the next day and the next day and this week and the next week, then you get off. You get, you get away from reality in God. And you start letting the world influence your soul, your mind, your thinking, your attitude, your actions, your behavior. And it is no new trick. It's as old as Adam. It's as old as Eve. So the devil uh, really doesn't have a lot of new tricks. He just does it in different ways. It's the basic same tricks. 
But he just uses different things in different ways, but it's the basic stuff. All right, so again, let me read, read the rest of this verse in the uh, Weiss translation. Unless it remains in living union with the vine, so neither you unless you maintain a living communion with me. So you're not going to bear fruit unless you maintain a living communion with me. All right, so it is God's will for us to be fruitful. Now, I'm going to go, with, go uh, to Galatians, and we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin in Galatians chapter 5 with verse 13. For brethren... You have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Brethren, body of Christ, he's talking to believers, brothers and sisters. You've been called unto liberty, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. There are some people that do that. Well, I have liberty. I can do this. I'm under grace. I can do what I want to do. Well, you can because God gives a choice to every man. He gave a choice to Adam. Wasn't to his benefit to choose what he did, but you can, you know, and God's not going to violate your will. He'll let anybody do whatever they choose to do. He's by his mercy and grace. He will check you on it, but he won't make you do anything. Even with the apostle Paul, when he got knocked Knocked down. He, he said, who art thou, Lord? In other words, he wanted to know who this is. But he could have rejected Jesus. Anybody can. Anybody can reject the Word of God. Anybody can reject the truth. Anybody can choose not to obey. It doesn't matter who you are. Again, as I've seen over the years, I've seen a lot of people get away from God they were walking with God, seemed like they were in love with Jesus, but something got them distracted, got them off, got them off course, got them away from God, and got them away from the Word of God, got them away from the truth. And as a result, they stopped serving God. They stopped bearing fruit. And so he says, in this case, you've been called to liberty, but don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So now you're to serve one another by love. Let's go to the next verse. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? To Romans chapter 13. So he says, all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Matthew 22, Romans 13. Basic same uh, truth being communicated here in Galatians. He said, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So if you're biting and devouring one another, in other words, you're speaking evil of each other, you're speaking evil to each other, you're speaking wrong to each other, it's like biting and devouring one another. But he said, take heed. Because you could consume each other. In other words, don't do that because you are being destructive with your words and your attitudes. And it's bringing destruction to other believers. Now, we have to uh, 
take this very seriously because Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, he said, You've done it unto me. So that gets pretty serious because you're going to answer to God. Everybody will answer to God for what they do and what they say. Every idle word. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty serious business if you're going to be uh, held accountable for every word. So then uh, he says that take heed that you don't do that because you're going to consume each other, devour one another. But in the next verse, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So then the admonition now is that you are to walk in the Spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is a developmental process. If everybody could get saved and walk in the Spirit for the rest of their Christian life, automatically that would be a wonderful experience, but it is not reality. Nobody is going to walk in the Spirit unless they choose to, unless they work at it. In other words, in the sense of they have to apply themselves. They have to maintain a living communion with God in order to walk in the Spirit. Daily walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, is God's order for your life. So then he said, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, sometimes Christians, they just try to, uh, you know, control their flesh by themselves, without walking in the Spirit. No, it doesn't work that way. He said the key to controlling your flesh and not being ruled by the lust of the flesh is walking in the Spirit. So it's really about feeding your spirit, meditating on the Word, praying in the Holy Spirit, staying conscious of Jesus and the life of God in you. And the more conscious you are of Christ in you and the life of God in you and the love of God in you, the less your, your flesh will rule or dominate you. So if you could control your flesh, you wouldn't need Jesus. In other words, if you could just, I mean, to do it, if you could just do it on your own, but we just read in, in John 15 that you can't do it. He said, for without me, you can do nothing. So you can't bear fruit without Jesus. And you can't bear fruit without maintaining a communion with Jesus or learning to live, get into the Spirit, and live in the Spirit in order to walk in the Spirit, and then you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, let's go to verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. In other words, there is a spiritual warfare that is going on. There is a warfare of your flesh fighting against your spirit, and your spirit fighting against your flesh. So there's an element of sin that's in your body, that's in your body, because your body is not redeemed in the sense of you, are not, you don't have a new body. You don't have a glorified body. Jesus has a glorified body, and one day you're going to get one like his. But right now, your body is not glorified. Your body is mortal. There's an element of sin in your body, in your flesh, that wants to control you. It's just the way it is. And the devil uses that, and he uses it. And he pokes those buttons and he pushes buttons and does things to try to get you to walk in the flesh. And if he can get you to thinking wrong and he can work on your flesh and work on your mind, then even though you're Christian, even though you're saved, even though you're born again, you'll be saying things, you'll be doing things that are outside of the spirit. They're in the flesh. 
And he describes what kind of uh, things you're going to be doing in this passage. He, he describes what the works of the flesh are. He says, now, the flesh and the spirit are in this warfare. And he said, these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, you wanted to do it, but you didn't do it because your flesh dominated you. Let's go to verse 18. If you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, if you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit, a lot of people, uh, they want to be led by the Spirit so they can do a great miracle. Well, you might start with being led by the Spirit uh, to keep your mouth shut. Or being led by the Spirit to be kind to your wife. Or be led by the Spirit to uh, be nice to somebody. Or be led by the Spirit. In other words, uh, sometimes they want to be led by the Spirit in the major miracles. You know, a lot of people like to uh, do a, uh, be used to, be, uh, uh, to do a miracle if they could be seen doing them. But, you know, God really wants you to just say, okay, I want to just serve Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian every day. I don't want to just be a Christian on Sunday morning. I want to be a Christian when I go to work. I want to be a Christian in my community. I want to be a Christian uh, with my family. I want to be a Christian. In other words, I want to bear fruit at the house. Because if you'll bear fruit at the house, then you can bear fruit out in the world. If you'll work on it at the house. In other words, you'll work on it with your children. Work on it with your, with your spouse, with your husband, your wife. And, and then wherever you go, you go to church, you work on it there. You go to work, you work on it there. You go to the grocery store, you work on it there. When I say work on it, I mean be conscious of your spirit. Be conscious and aware that there are a lot of hurting people in the world that need Jesus and they need the love of God. And uh, you have what it takes. You have what they need. You have the answer. You have the Word of God in your heart. And you have Jesus living on the inside of you. And just your example every day. I mean, people notice when people are kind. People notice when people are mean. It's true. And if you go to a certain place of business and you're kind and you're always, I know you can't smile at them now if you've got to wear a mask, but you know, at least be kind. I mean, I've been, I've been to therapy uh, since I started therapy after breaking my arm. And so I'm doing it twice a week when I'm in town. So I'm going twice a week. And I've watched people come in there. These people are there to service people. Their, their, their clinic is open. They're doing all the social distancing, wearing a mask and all of the things that they're doing, washing your hands, telling you what to do, you know. And, and so... They're doing all the uh, things that they've been instructed to do to keep their uh, business open. And then somebody comes in there and, and acts mean and ir irritated. And, you know, you would just want to say, I mean, if, if I was in the flesh, would you quit talking to them that way? You know, I was ridiculous. I mean, not very many people, but there are a few that have just acted belligerent like, who do you think you are? And here, these people are uh, doing all of this in this season and doing everything they can to service your need. And you come in here and act like you, act like, uh, you own the place or, you know, that they owe you something. Or, no, just come in there and be kind and be nice and be respectful. You know, those people remember those people that come in and act like that because they're going to come up. They're going to come back next week. 
<laughs> or in the next few weeks, they're going to come back. And those people that are servicing, they know, oh, here they come. You know, but people that are kind, they also remember them. People that are nice to them and, and show appreciation to them for being open. And, and just think about all of this time that the people have. I met a guy in the airport, and his aunt was a nurse. And she died of COVID-19. Wow. In other words, she was in there doing what she was doing day after day, working long hours. And that's what happened in her case, thankfully. A lot of others haven't. They've lived and, and done well, you know. But that's just the, the story of this young man. And I'm talking to him. And so, uh, we ought to be nice to those people. So when I broke my arm, I was very happy. My wife couldn't go into the hospital with me, but I was very happy that they were open. Right? They'd let me in there. They'd take care of me. I was very thankful, and I told them. And I let them know, I appreciate all that you're doing, especially in this environment, to help people and service people's needs. So people remember when you express the love of God to them. People remember when you're mean. If you are a regular mean customer, they all know it when you show up. They'll let each other know, here they come. Right? Because they know how you act. And, and so they have to keep their guards up. And watch out. But the love of God shows up in people's lives. And when we love people and we act in a way that is respectful and kind to them, they appreciate it. Amen? And it's a testimony of God's grace in your life. Praise God. All right, so here it is. We're going to look at it. Being led of the Spirit is the key. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. So if you don't know what they are, here's your list. The works of the flesh are manifest. He starts out, adultery, which is you're married and you're going to have a sexual relationship with somebody else. Are you going to have a relationship with somebody else? An emotional relationship. You start, start that direction. All right? Fornication, having sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness. That could be a lot of things. Lasciviousness. Be, uh, it could be expressed in a number of different ways. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Idol worship. Witchcraft. Hatred. Witchcraft is basically trying to control other people. It could go deeper and deeper, but if you're trying to control other people with your words, your attitude, your actions, you want to control them, you need to back it off. All right, so he says, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. So he puts strife in the same category as adultery. You know, I'm not an adulteress. Well, they'll sow discord among the brethren. You know, there are seven things that God hates in the book of Proverbs. And one of them, he says, he that sows discord among the brethren. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be anywhere God's hating you know, this phrase, new phrase, don't, don't hate on me. 
You know, I'll tell you what, if God hates what you're doing, he doesn't hate you, but he hates what you're doing. If he hates what you're doing, you're not in good company. If you're sowing strife and division among the brethren, you're going to have to deal with God because that's serious business. Hatred, strife, division, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. A lot of people there proclaim, I'm not a murderer. But, you know, the Scripture says, he that hates his brother is a murderer. Boy, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? He that hates his brother, you know, I'm not a murderer, but he that hates his brother is a murderer. All right, so let's go to the next one. He said, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Because there's people that, you know, they'll say, well, I don't see my, uh, anything wrong with what I'm doing because, uh, you know, it's, I don't see that in that list. But he said anything like this. Anything in this kind of category. This is a fleshly activity. And so, fleshly activity... He's saying, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he says, as such like, in the which I tell you before, and as I also have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a position where I'm not receiving what God has for me. So then let's go to the last verse here, the last two verses. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. If you just take this list, the fruit of the Spirit, and this is where God wants us to go. This is where He wants us to live. In this, in this vein, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have peace when I lay my head down. I'm going to have peace when I wake up. And I remember Noble Hayes, he said, uh, you're disturbing my peace. In other words, he just was going to walk in peace. He just made up his mind he was going to walk in peace. So he's, here he says, love and joy and peace. How many want to maintain joy in your life? But the first one is love. And every other fruit of the Spirit is tied to your love walk. Because if you're walking in love, you're going to walk in joy. If you're walking in love, you're going to walk in peace. If you're walking in love, you're going to be long-suffering. So, well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, the admonition of Scripture is to be long-suffering. All right, so let's go to the next one, gentleness. Gentleness. Next one, goodness. Next one, faith or faithfulness. Next one, meekness. Moses was the meekest man. Meekness. I don't have time to work with these words too much, but I'm just giving them to you. Temperance, which is self-control. Self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, this stuff will stand up against anything. If you live in the fruit of the Spirit and you bear the fruit of the Spirit and you live in this way described by the fruit of the Spirit, it's really if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you look at verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Bible or a number of other translations, if you look at that, that 
few verses, and then you compare it with the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to see that walking in love is walking in the Spirit. And walking in love is going to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're walking in love and walking in the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to experience love. You're going to experience joy. You're going to experience peace. You're going to experience long-suffering. In other words, you don't have a short fuse. You're able to handle things under pressure. He said gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit or if we have life in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit in other words if you got life the life of God in you if you've got the love of God in you let's also express it let's live it let's walk it out Instead of letting your flesh dominate you, you make a choice every time your flesh wants to pull on you or every time your flesh. And this is a warfare. This is a fight. This is an everyday fight. This is not just a, just a fight for one day out of your life. This is an everyday fight. Some battles may be more difficult than other battles. And some days may be more difficult than other days. Some weeks may be more difficult than other weeks. But it is an everyday deal. It's an everyday lifestyle. Walking in the Spirit is not just something you choose to do like, oh, I'll do that uh, next week. Or I'll do that. I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working on that. No, no. It's something you make up your mind you're going to do today. And if you do it today then you'll be able to do it tomorrow. If you do it tomorrow, then you'll be able to do it the next day. If you do it that day, then you're able to do it in the next day. In other words, you have to choose every day to walk in the Spirit. Choose every day to walk in love. Choose every day uh, to live and walk in the Spirit. And when you do that, you make up your mind. Now, you, you may stumble. You may fall. You'll falter here or there. And when you do, you say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Recognize it. I mean, it's called repentance. You say, Father, I'm sorry. I recognize what I just said was not correct, not right, not a right attitude, not a right spirit, not, not the fruit of the Spirit, not expressing the fruit of the Spirit. I know. I can just look at the le- list of the, of the works of the flesh, and it's obvious. It's obvious to any thinking person, anybody enlightened by the Word, enlightened by the Holy Spirit. It's obvious what I just did, what I just said, and the way I said it, it is not right. And what I just, uh, the way I just acted to this person or that that person or my family or my wife or my husband, it just wasn't right. And so I'm sorry to you, Father, and I'm sorry to them. In other words, just be honest with yourself, be honest with God, be honest with your spouse or your children and say, I'm sorry. And when you do, then you just get right back in fellowship with God. And then you're able to get back in the spirit. But if you go on doing the same thing, then you're, you're getting further and further from the Spirit and further and further in the flesh. And the deeper you get in the flesh, the harder it is to get out. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will make you pay more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. But if you, as a Christian, as a believer, will just say, no, I'm making up my mind. Thank you, Jesus. My mother used to say, I've made up my mind, I'm going to be happy. And so I just follow that. I've made up my mind, I'm just going to be happy. I've made up my mind, I'm going to walk in love. I've made up my mind 
that I'm going to walk in peace. I've made up my mind, I'm going to walk in joy. I've made up my mind, I'm going to be long-suffering. I've made up my mind, I'm going to be faithful. I've made up my mind, I'm going to be meek in my attitude. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I'm going to act on the Word of God. And it's not always that, uh, you know, you're in a position where everybody's that way to you. But if you're waiting for everybody to act like that to you before you do it, you won't ever do it because not everybody's going to do it. But somebody will. Hallelujah. And so Brother Hagin said, I've decided I'm going to walk in love whether anybody else does or not. And so if you make up your mind, you're going to walk in love whether anybody else does or not. And some people say, well, people will take advantage of you. They might try. But when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies shall be at peace with him. They may try to take advantage of you, but their day will come. But wrath belongs to God, not to me. And God's pretty faithful. I've watched his faithfulness for many years, and he's not changed his mind about being faithful. When you do what's right, God will take care of you. I said, when you do what's right, God will take care of you. So just be faithful to the Word and be a doer of the Word. And I know it went a little long today, but praise the Lord. It's a good thing. Hallelujah.